Well, I want to tell you a story, and it's a true story, and it's about a group of people, and it's a group of diverse people, people who've come together from different cultural backgrounds, men, women, young, old, married, single, and they all have one important thing in common. They profess a faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But this is not just a random group of disconnected Christians. This is a community of faith. This story is about a church. And this church was suffering from a wide range of divisive issues that were negatively impacting them as a church. And these issues seeped into their homes and into their marriages and into their parenting and child relationships and into their relationships with their friends and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And it started to negatively impact their witness to the community around them. And they were experiencing tension related to differing opinions on multiple issues. They were playing favorites with leaders. They were experiencing friction over moral issues, racial issues, socioeconomical issues, and even church issues, arguing about how worship should be taking place. And pride started to take hold, and conflict increased, and they started to become more dedicated to being right about their opinions and views than to be loving. And anyone uh, that knows what that's going to happen is that's going to start to continue to bring more conflict and more hurt feelings, being dedicated to being right more than being loving. Anyone want to guess the church I'm talking about? It's the church in Corinth. Some of you are like, is he talking about CVC? Like, what's the deal here? This is the church in Corinth. And so for those of you who are spiritually seeking or maybe unfamiliar with the Bible, uh, the church in Corinth was a group of Christians living in the first century in this three- to four-year-old church of Corinth, the Greek city of Corinth. And uh, they were experiencing all of this internal conflict and external pressure to conform to the immoral environment that was around them. And so God took a man by the name of the Apostle Paul to call them back, to, to write a letter to them to address what was going on in their midst, to call them back to God's heart and to God's ways and to alignment with Christ. And so we're going to uh, look at a little portion of a letter called 1 Corinthians. There were two letters that God had the Apostle Paul write to the believers in Corinth, 1 and 2 Corinthians, but we're going to look at just a portion of the 13th chapter in 1 Corinthians. So you can turn there even now in your Bible or your Bible apps, 1 Corinthians 13. And what we're going to do is we're going to pay attention to what God was saying to this community through the Apostle Paul, and then we're going to apply whatever we can learn from what God was saying to them for what God would say to us today as a Christian community. And one of the core problems of the Corinthian church was this. They did not understand the distinctive power of Christian love and how to live it out. And I don't think we're that different than the Corinthian church in that respect. We are navigating right now similar dynamics in life, especially COVID life. And right now as a pastor, as I reflect back over the last five months on conversations I've had with people in our body, 
conversations other elders and pastors and ministry leaders and staff have had with people in our body. Watching the behavior and the postings of people who profess uh, faith in Jesus and the call CVC home and what they write about and emails that we've received and voicemails and conversations with people. Here's what I think has settled into many of our hearts on accident through the season. We've become more dedicated to being right than being loving. And what I mean by that is a lot of us are thinking this way. My political views are right and yours are wrong. My views on racial issues are right and yours are wrong. My view on wearing masks are right and yours are wrong. Or my views on current events are right and yours are wrong. My views on opening or not opening church are right and yours are wrong. And I'm just here to tell you it's been heartbreaking to see the level of conflict that has happened in the last five months with many churches, including ours, on these issues. And what's happening is many of us have fallen into this mindset that it's more important to be right than it is to be loving. And so I'm going to ask us all right now that as we watch online, as we gather here on site, that we would ask the Holy Spirit of God to sift our hearts this morning. And we would ask God to say, Lord, where have I slipped into a mindset where it's become more important for me to be right on certain issues than it is to be loving to my Christian brothers and sisters? And by the way, when I'm talking about being right, I'm not talking about foundational theological issues that we need to make sure we're right on. We're not talking about the foundations of our faith and doctrine and theology. We're talking about non-essentials, things that are important, things that matter, but we wouldn't say that they are essential to following Christ. And so we need to be unified in that, but we need to learn how to love each other well on other issues that we may not agree on, because I believe that reflects the heart of God. So we're going to look at a very well-known passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start in verse 1. Many of you have seen this verse, heard this verse at a wedding. And it's a, it's a beautiful place to apply this. But when God had the Apostle Paul write this, it wasn't for a man and a woman at a wedding. It wasn't for them to put on their little wedding card as nice decor. This was actually written to a community of believers to talk about how to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, yes, it does apply to marriage and to parenting and all, all relationships. But the context is actually to the Christian church. And so let's find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And just a little tiny bit of context, because uh, we know that when the Bible was first written, uh, there weren't chapters. The chapters were put there many years later for our benefit to identify and find things. But this was just one big long letter. And so if you were to be reading this letter before, God is using the Apostle Paul to help the Corinthian church understand that they were one body made up of many parts, just like our body is made up of many parts. And they all have distinct functions and purposes, and, and they're to work together for the common good. But what had happened, apparently, is some people in the Corinthian church started looking at some of the spiritual gifts and abilities and started to have a superiority complex about them. Well, this gift is better than this gift. And this, this um, spiritual gift is, is far more superior than this gift, and it started causing conflict. And so they were missing this core ability to love each other, and they got fixated on the gifts. That's where we dive in right here, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Paul says... 
If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am, what's the word? Nothing. He goes on. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain what? Nothing. Nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Did you guys see it? Did you see the importance that God put on love? Now, before we go any further, we have to define love. Now, some of you, you you could probably teach this right now, but for those of you who this might be new or newer to you, we have to understand what we mean by the word love here. Because in our English word, we have one word to communicate love, and it's the word love. So we say, I love chocolate ice cream. But then you say, I also love my kids. I love walking in the metro parks. I love whatever. You know, so we use one word to convey multifaceted meanings. But as we know, that this letter was originally written in the Greek. And in Greek, there's multiple words for love. And they all have different contexts. But the word here is the word agape. A lot of you are like, I knew it. I knew it was going to be the word agape. It's agape love. And here's what's distinct about agape love. Agape love is more concerned with the greatest good of another rather than the greatest good for self. That's the distinguishing factor with agape love. It's more concerned about the greater uh, love, you know, good for others rather than the greatest good for yourself. And so agape is not based on our emotions. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on our familiarity with someone. It's not even based on attraction. Like thinking someone's hot doesn't activate agape love, all right? Just letting you know, all right? Agape love comes from our will. It is a fierce decision to love someone. And so when you talk about agape love, you're talking about commitment and sacrifice and not expecting anything in return. You just give it. And as I'm talking about this, all these little bells should be going off going, that's exactly how God loves us. We know agape love because that is how God loves us. This is the love that we receive from God. And once we enter into a relationship, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, agape love then comes into you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me be clear here, because it's very important. If you do not have a relationship with God, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have faith in Christ, you don't know how to and can't give agape love. You can't. Because your ceiling on the ability to love is lower. You can love well. And you're going to give it all you've got. And people will feel loved by you. But there's a lower ceiling. But once the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the living God, comes into you, because God is love. He's the author of love. He embodies love. He is agape. Once he comes to live inside of you, now that ceiling is blown off the top, and you now have the capacity to give agape love because you have now received it. And so this is the love that we're talking about today. And so it's very important to understand that. Now, 
God uses Paul to really bring home this understanding of the significance, the value, the importance of loving this way. Look again at verses 1 through 3. Paul said, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is the significance of love. God is saying to Paul, if you even have the supernatural ability to speak a language you've never learned, a heavenly language, an earthly language, if you ever have the supernatural, miraculous power to speak in a tongue that you don't know, or if you have been given like a, a special divine download where you can prophesy, you can understand God's activity and communicate it to others in a way that, that really captivates and gets through what God is doing, you have that ability, or if you have this incredible mega faith, like God's going to do it, super faith, like God's going to do it, God could take that mountain and move it over there like that, and you, and you can operate off that faith, you sell everything you have, you give it to the poor, you allow yourself to be martyred, that's what it means to give your body to the fire, you die for your faith, do you see the significance of love here, you can do all those things that you would think convey spiritual maturity, Ah, I can do these things. I've arrived. I'm spiritually mature. And God's saying, no, you aren't. You're still an infant because you don't know how to love. Because if you can do all these things that you would think give spiritual maturity, but you don't know how to love, they're not propelled by love, they're not driven by love, you know what you've accomplished? What's the word he used? Absolutely nothing. No benefit. In fact, not only... Do you not do something good? You actually find yourself doing something bad. Because now, and then he gives this incredibly visual, audible, picturesque understanding of this clanging cymbal, this noisy gong. And what he's basically saying is saying, look, when you operate and trying to sound spiritual, be spiritual, without love, this is what it comes across as. That's what it feels like. Oh, man, I got a word from the Lord. I just want to share with you. You know, I got the spiritual gift of teaching, so I'm just going to bring it down right now. Hey, you know what? That's what's accomplished. You look over the behavior of a lot of believers right now with what they're online and the conversations they're having. And let me tell you my opinion. I'm going to be... That's what's coming across. Like, when we're not loving each other as believers in Christ, that's what the world hears. They look at us and go, why would I want to get into that room with that noise? And we feel it with each other, and they feel it with us. And, and, and Paul's going, you're actually working backwards. And, and, and there's another nuance, I think, that's in, embedded in this. This is Corinth. Corinth was a mega city around trade routes. It was a melting pot of people from all over the world. So guess what they had a lot of spiritually in Corinth? Pagan worship. Do your research on pagan temples everywhere. Okay? And so the, the Christians were a minority in Corinth. But you know what's part of pagan worship? Anyone want to take a guess? 
gongs and cymbals. Because a lot of times those pagan beliefs, we've got, we've got to use these gongs to wake up the gods. Gods are sleeping. Gods are up there playing god tennis or whatever they're doing. We've got to get their attention. So we're going to hit the gongs. They would use cymbals, you know, a lot of noise. And so sometimes that was using their worship to kind of work people into a frenzy in their acts of worship. And so if you lived in Corinth, guess what you heard like all day? Gongs and cymbals, gongs and cymbals, gongs and cymbals. Paul is probably also saying here, not only is it obnoxious, but you don't sound any different than your pagan neighbors. You're not distinct. As a Christian, you're making a lot of noise, but none of it's helping. Because you're so focused on being right that you lost the desire to be what? Loving. And then he unpacks the love. He says, let's talk about what this love looks like. And God gives this beautiful description. 15 like characteristics that come out from what this love looks like, this superior love. So let's look at verses 4 through 7 and review those. He says, love is patient. Right? That means to be long-suffering, to, to put up with annoying people or annoying moments with the people you love, right? Love is long-suffering, it's patient. Love is going to be kind. Your words, your actions are going to be kind. Love does not envy. It's going to be secure. It's going to be content. It's not going to be envious. It does not boast, right? It's going to pursue humility. It's not going to speak highly of self. You ever notice how sometimes in an effort to love, we feel the need to boast about our loving actions? You know one of the best ways to love with your actions? Be anonymous about it. You don't need like a pat on the back like, hey, remember that thing I did for you because I love you? Like that, that's, that's boastful, right? We need, to, we need to point attention to it. No, love, this kind of love is not boastful. It's not arrogant. That pride that leads us to think that we're better than, we're superior. Our view is better than your view, right? My way is better than your way. My thoughts are better than your thoughts. My opinion is more superior than your opinion. This is being arrogant. Also, it's not rude. When you're rude, you have no regard for others. You don't care for their welfare. You don't care what's good for them. It's all about what you can get. It's the rude person who cuts to the front of the line, right? It's the rude person who says, I want to watch what I want to watch. You go do your thing. Like the rude, we just, love doesn't do that because it's so focused on the other person. Love does not insist on its own way. Meaning, not only is my way right, but I will do everything in my power to make you see it my way and to let me have my way. I'm going to insist on my own way. And so it's self-focused. A lot of times, you know what this sounds like in a relationship? You're not meeting my needs. Who's the center of attention there? You aren't meeting my needs. I'm not having my own way. There's another way around that. Love is not irritable, which means easily offended and provoked. When I'm reading through this list, this is one of the places I feel like God just kind of give me a little rib poke, right? It's like, okay, I'm just going to write the name Chad next to that one, right? It's not resentful. Basically meaning, in some versions translated this, it's not going to keep a record of wrongs. Meaning you're not going to be like, hey, remember that thing you did 10 years ago? Like, I, st I still got that card. In fact, I got a whole hard drive 
a lot of terabytes right here of all the things that you've done against me. That's, that's not love. To stockpile wrong so somehow I can use it against you or, or, or bring it back up to get my way, right? Love rejo- does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It wants righteousness. It doesn't celebrate harm to others. It doesn't take any joy in hurting others with our words, our slander, our actions. Love is, uh, wants righteousness. It rejoices with the truth. This love that we're talking about avoids dishonesty and lies and falsehood, but is drawn like a moth to the flame, to, to truth. What is true, what is right, especially God's truth. And so this love desires truth and it rejoices with the truth and it bears all things. There's a neat picture that goes with this concept of bearing all things because the, the actual meaning of that word in the original Greek, to bear, means actually to put a shelter over, to protect what's underneath. So that means that when you bear all things, you're wanting to shield the person you love from criticism, from nitpicking, from from hurt and pain. You want to bear up over them, including your own nitpicking and criticisms and attempts to shame and belittle and demean. Which, by the way, what's our greatest motivator to shame, belittle, and demean someone else so that they'll let us have it our way? This is not agape, right? It believes all things. It just believes the best in others. It chooses, it chooses to believe the best. And it hopes all things. Hey, look, even when things are rough, there's a confidence in the future because we know who holds the future. There's a confidence and a hope. It's optimism. And it endures all things, meaning this kind of love doesn't give up. It doesn't tap out. No matter what kind of a, what kind of a hold the world puts on you, a chokehold the world puts on you, this love's not going to tap out. And as I'm reading through this list, guess again what should be popping into your mind. This is how God loves you. It's how God loves you. And one of the telltale signs that this is a divine love that only can be accomplished through knowing the Lord is one word that kept popping up in those last several attributes. There was one word that was common of all things. It was bear all things, believes all things, right? The word all. We're going, that's a tall order. How do you do that? Like, I can't do that. And you're going, exactly, you can't. You can't. See, in our human capacity to love, we can believe some things, We can bear some things. We can hope for some things. But once you have Christ in your life, guess what? You get to do that with all things. Some of you are going, I don't think it's possible. And again, you're right. In our humanity, it's not. And what's beautiful about this kind of love from God, it's not a kind of love that we can force like, it would be a huge mistake, and I'm going to speak to this right now. It would be a huge mistake for any of us watching online or right here in this room to be thinking we're going to leave this moment and we're going to, like, make ourselves do this better. Okay? I got it. 15 attributes. I know some of you online right now, you've got, you've got your pen out and you've got your big list and you've already got the checkboxes. More patient more kind, and like, okay, this week I'm, I'm going to be more patient, I'm going to be more kind, and I'm going to get to the end and go, yes, I did it. Well, good luck with that. Because this isn't forced, you can't make it happen, it's only going to happen one way. Your favorite word, surrender. 
surrender. Like some of you right now, I can feel the tension in you. Can't feel it with some of you online, but I'm sure it's there. Like there's something inside you going like, I want to do this. I want to try to do this. It's like, look, you've got to just let go and go, God, I can't. Be patient with that person. Are you kidding me? Be kind to that person. Do you know what they said to me? Do you know what they did to me? Rejoice with wrongs. Oh, I just want to, mm. You can't. But if you surrender, then guess what? The Holy Spirit takes over. And all of a sudden you go, why am I not as mad at that person? Why am I not daydreaming about how I can hurt them? <laughs> because when you surrender, agape from the father flows through agape, his child, out to agape, other children of God, and those who don't know God. It's only going to happen through surrender, brothers and sisters. That's it. And God wouldn't ask us to love this way if it wasn't possible. But you only can do it through surrender. And once you surrender, once you surrender to Christ and surrender to wanting his love to be in you and through you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become more dedicated to being loving rather than being what? Right. Loving that person is going to mean more to you than winning them to your point of view, convincing them that you're right. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about your unbelieving family and friends. I'm, I'm just going to make a wager here. That I don't think it's likely that they're going to sit down with you someday and go like, you know what, I've been thinking about all the conversations we've had and all the disagreements we've had, and I've come to a conclusion. She were always right. I was always wrong. Can you tell me more about Jesus, please? I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think it's more likely that they would say something like this. You know, through all the conversations we've had, and all the disagreements we've had, and we don't see eye to eye even on some things, but here's one thing that stood out to me. You always were loving. You treated me kindly. You were patient with me. And when you didn't, you came back and asked for forgiveness. There's only one way that can happen, and I want to know more about it. Or for them to step back and go, I've been watching you, you and your Christian friends, you and your old church group over there. You guys all have a bunch of differences of opinions. You guys obviously don't agree. But there's something peculiar about you guys. Even though you don't all agree on this stuff, you seem to love each other well. You actually seem to love each other. I see what you post and how you talk to each other. And I've heard those conversations. Like, how do you do that? That will make a difference. You can choose this. <laughs> or you can choose to love well. Now, as we kind of turn a corner here, I want to talk to anyone online right now or in this room that as I'm talking about this, what's become very evident to you is you do not have a relationship with Jesus yet. You've done church, you've done religion, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. You haven't received this kind of love yet. You're, you're still trying to work to get God's love. That's not how it works. You just receive what he's offered as a gift. When you look at this passage... I want you to see something about Jesus. Like a passage a lot of us know is, for God so loved the world that he gave. What kind of love is that that Jesus gave when he died on the cross? A love that is patient and kind. It's a love that does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant. He's not rude. He does not insist on his own way. He's, he's not irritable or resentful. 
He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth because he is the truth, right? Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. If you know you need Christ, you want to know more about this relationship we're talking about, I encourage you to use our response number to initiate a conversation with us. This is our go-to to just initiate conversation. It's our response number. It's 440-276-5575. If you need Jesus or want to know more about Jesus, text us. Let's start a conversation. Let's see how we can help answer some of the questions or help you connect with Jesus in a deeper way. For those of us who know Jesus, some of you have done this before. Here's a very good self-assessment about where you're at. Just take your name and put it where the word love is and see how you add up. Right? Chad is patient. Chad is kind. Chad does not envy or boast. He's not arrogant. He's not rude. And on and on and on. There's no way I'm ever, ever going to read this. And there's no way you're ever going to read this and go, nailed it. The Holy Spirit will always say, I'm still fine-tuning that in you. Surrender more to me, so I will. And so we read this sometimes going, ooh, ouch. It's okay. Surrender. And let Christ, agape love, not only be something you receive, but something you learn to give to others in the name of Christ. I want you to think of your spouse. I want you to think of your children. I want you to think of your parents. I want you to think of your siblings. I want you to think of your friends, your church family, the unbelieving friends you have. Would they say you are more preoccupied and concerned about being right or loving? Let's stop talking about this and talk to God about it. Let's talk to the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power. Thank you for the precision of your word. Just cuts through and hits us right in the heart. And God, we confess that we have not surrendered enough to you and your spirit to do this well. In fact, we've made a mess of it many times. And we're sorry for that. In fact, I'm just going to give you a second. Would you just confess that to the Lord right now? Whichever one of those or many of those, it just seems to be an area of, would you just, between you and the Lord, quietly where you're at, online, in this room, Lord, I'm sorry for. I confess that. And look at that text and pray as God leads your heart. And now let's ask for his help. Whichever one of those aspects of agape love seem deficient, weak, or maybe a person in your life that you have a hard time applying these to, would you just take a minute and ask God to help you to surrender and to grow in this area, to love like this? Would you just ask for his help right now? Father, thank you for agape love. Thank you for letting us receive it, experience it. Thanks for letting us be on that receiving end. But God, help us now to surrender to you every day so that we can be on the giving end of agape to our family, our friends those who don't know you, our Christian brothers and sisters who don't agree with us. May you be glorified. May you be pleased by what we're going to do different walking out of here today. In Jesus' name, we all said, 
Amen. A couple extra resources I want to make sure you're aware of. We want to continue to press into this. We don't just want to leave you here. And, and so uh, maybe some of you, you need to have a conversation because of what we talked about today. You need to be pastored, prayed with. You can text CONNECT to our response number. We'll get in touch with you. Also, we want to um, take the next two weeks. So hopefully all of you have been taking advantage. More and more of you have been taking advantage of our um, texting response to encourage you through the week. And so last week, if you uh, texted the word trust, you got you know, a verse every day this last week to help you trust in the Lord. We're going to go for two weeks now because we have two weeks worth of what love is. Love is. <laughs> love is. Love is not. So for two weeks, if you text the word love to the response number, 440 Okay, uh, two seven six five five seven five. What will happen is we'd love to just give you um, one of these words, a passage, a way to pray. So for the next two weeks, you can just lean into this. Also, this Thursday night for our real talk session, where we invite people into dialogue, conversation, and provide a panel um, that's interactive. Thursday night at seven, our next real talk. It's going to be um, on this topic, but we're going to narrow the focus to marriage because many marriages are suffering right now. And a lot of these things are not taking place. And so we just want to encourage some marriages, hurting marriages right now. So you, your, your unbelieving friends that um, may be curious about that, your, your Christian friends who don't know about it, let's all show up Thursday night and hang out there for a little bit. And then also we have a study guide that you can use for personal devotion, family devotional, the life group that will come online later today or tomorrow that will take you to an exercise to talk even more about this in a conversation with people in your life. So there's some resources for you. We hope those help you. Let's stand and let's sing to the one who's given us agape love and also gives us the ability to give agape love. Amen.